You're listening to the New City Church Podcast. These episodes are recorded live on Gadigal land. Sometimes the audio quality might not be perfect because what you're listening to is a conversation. We don't edit out the chatter and we think that's what makes it authentic. Wherever you're tuning in from, we hope you find this episode encouraging. Thanks everyone um, for having me today. It's a real pleasure to get to share some thoughts with this beautiful community, which I've found and which has come to be so valuable in my journey of faith and what it means to be a Christian and be a Christian in the world in which we live. Um, I just want to reiterate what Lily had said, that if you feel like you'd like to move around, if you're wiggly jiggly, if that's your vibe, please feel free to get up. I won't mind. There's coffee, tea, cold water, unless I drink it all. Um, But yeah, please feel free to move around as suits you. So to kick off, I'll just start with a simple prayer and then we'll go from there. Creator God, we thank you for this community. We thank you for the act of worship. We thank you for the ability to sing together, hear together uh, the resonance of these words. And I just pray that these words now will work towards the well-being of all your creation, that people would feel something deep within them, not for my glory, but that all actions may result in greater love and greater flourishing. Your name, amen. So I was really moved by a particular lyric in that song. Could a garden come up from this ground at all? And it suspends our question there that we wrestle with that, even though it's asked as a rhetorical question by the writer. I want to say to you today that you may have felt physically that the answer to that is yes. You may have known in your mind that the answer is yes. Or maybe your answer to that is, I don't know, can it? Or maybe your answer was, I feel like I should say yes, but I just can't. I don't have it within me. And so I want to say to you today that that all of those are welcomed in this space. All of those are valid experiences. And I welcome you to sit and work through those questions as we chat today. So this line goes to my own experience. Um, So as we speak, let's talk about what it is that makes us feel that that garden can come up from the ground. So I'm going to talk about why I feel that to be true. So in the day-to-day, I work with disasters with Red Cross. And so my experience is seeing bushfires happen, it's seeing floods happen, and I get to see the flow-on of that, that after a fire, there tends to be regrowth. There is a blossom of plant, a blossom of a flower that kicks off. And even in the harshest desert, we often think of cactus, but something beautiful is growing up from that hard ground. And what we're finding now with modern day science and research and with First Nations wisdom is that the harsh ground, the desert, where it all seems dead and dry, is constantly giving off life. 
am I doing something wrong here? Okay, go on. Um, so it's constantly giving food, giving sustenance, giving things of beauty. And so I think we need to look at it from the lens of renewal. And that's what today is going to be discussing. Going to be discussing what I see as the pattern of renewal through life, through the scriptures, and then the practice of it in our daily lives. So the Bible seems kind of obsessed with this idea of newness. So what does that mean? It means there are all these constant references to things being made new, all these stories of reform and renewal. So we can start with the story of Genesis, which is the beginning of that song as well, which is life and beauty being made from a void, from dust, from a dry ground. We see God creating life, creating plants, creating animals and creating humans from that. And whether you want to take that literally or as a metaphor or however you find value in that, there's this consistent idea of God creating, God doing something new. And so then we can move to Exodus and we see this move from slavery, from death and pain into the promised land. And what's promised is something wonderful. They're promised a land of milk and honey. Now, that sounds sticky to me, but that is a beautiful idea. And, yes, I did just steal a joke from Veggie Tales. So what we're doing here, what we're seeing through the story of the Exodus is this movement from death to life, from captivity to freedom, a newness and a beauty in that newness. It's creation and new creation springing forth. And then we go to one of my favourite books, and I'm going to keep this brief because I could speak about it for a long time, but Leviticus. Now, everyone goes, what? Everyone looks at Leviticus like a book of, law, a book of laws, and that is fundamentally true, but it was a new way of seeing the world, a new way of interacting with humanity, a new way of interacting with the world around you, and it was made to create new ways. It's all about the neighbour, and sure, there's some weird stuff in there that we can't understand and don't understand but it was all about life about flourishing about seeing the worth in other people and this is a consistent theme throughout Leviticus throughout many of the rules and regulations and the community at the time the Hebrew community saw it for that they didn't see it as restrictive they saw it as opening up opening up a new way of seeing love and life and even I want to talk to you for a moment about the story of Noah's Ark. Now, there's been a whole lot of unhelpful teachings I've received about this through my own life. But I want to talk about it in the context of the history. So in the times when the Bible was written, the story of a global flood was pervasive throughout culture. culture. Many different um, religious groups and cultural groups all had their own stories, had the stories of this flood, and many of them revolved around gods who got frustrated with humanity. They found them noisy. They found them exasperating. And so they murdered them all to make their own lives easier. What the Hebrew scriptures did was they took that story and they renewed it. They retold it in a way which was still violent because violence was seen as the norm. But it was about a God who then created. It was about a God 
who renewed. So the renewal came after the damage. But it went broader than that because if you think about the shape of a rainbow, and this is argued by a whole lot of theologians and historians, the idea a bow is a weapon. It's an item of violence, pain, and destruction. And the story of the rainbow is so beautiful because it created colour and meaning and beauty. And the God of the Hebrews was not pointing it towards the people of earth. It was pointed away from them. So the whole way this was understood historically, culturally, religiously, was that God was taking, was that the story is told as if God was seeing an act of violence and turning it away from people. And so, again, there's this message of a God renewing all things. So these continue all the way to, okay, tough, tough crowd. Um, Jesus. Come, come on, guys. <laughs> the answer is always God, Bible, Jesus. Come on. <laughs> so there's this retelling of the creation story uh, in Mark where Jesus spits into the dirt, creates mud and wipes and creates sight. He creates beauty. He creates a new way of seeing. And he does it in a way which repeats the story. But it's more than that. There's Jesus' life. And Jesus' life, which is all about living and living with a belief in beauty, living with a belief in your neighbour and living with a belief that all things are continually able to be fixed, redeemed, and reformed. And so then we see Jesus' life and death where he suffered. And however you want to take the story of the resurrection, there again you have that theme of renewal. You have this story in which Jesus himself, his body, his spirit, his person, being renewed. And this leads me to think that there's a conclusion to this, that through all of time, there's a current running through everything, through every life. And that current is perpetual creation, this constant act and intention of beauty from ashes, of life from death, of renewal. And often when I start prayers, you'll, you'll hear me say, create a God. And that's because I fundamentally believe in this perpetual creation, that nothing is ever irredeemable. And the challenge with this is that a take on the story of Jesus and the idea that nothing is irredeemable is really challenging, right? Because we've been socialised, we've been taught that violence is a solution that violence is a resolution, but the teachings and the life of Jesus, his actions, continually pushes so hard against this. He's continually arguing that love and generosity and joy are the engines of life. They're what make things tick. They're what makes things move. They're what changes people and changes systems. And that, again, is all about renewal. In fact, if you read the words of Paul, he's consistently talking about this retelling, this renewing. And in the midst of his Greek sentences where most words were really short, kind of five to six letters, um, he threw in an absolute showstopper 
in the first book of Ephesians. It's kind of the supercalifragilisticexpialidocious of the Bible, if you want to call it that. Now, it's a powerful word. It's anakephaleia. No, I stuffed it up already. <laughs> anakephaleia. Oh, I'll get there. I practiced this. <laughs> Anakephaleiosithai. So that's a 13-letter word. And in the act of trying to translate it, it's often described as bringing unity. But the power of that word, the length that would have been spoken to verbal audiences in the early church, bringing unity doesn't quite capture the drama and the profoundity of it. It's a construction of words which simply means Jesus bringing all things together. It's the idea that in Jesus, I'll repeat myself again, all things are being made new. Ourselves, our world, all around us, all things. And we hear that beautifully expressed in the song today where we hear this idea of life is being found, meaning that value is being found in Jesus. And so we hear all these words, all these wonderful R words, renewal, redeeming, restored, even resurrection, this idea which is continually going through the Bible and through all of life. There's a pattern, and that pattern is of a God who is within and amongst all things continually renewing. So I like to talk about renewal as a symphony. So if you ever go into an orchestra, if you ever go into a place where there is a symphony happening, when you first walk in, it's just a huge noise. It's a loud clatter. And sure, it's kind of cool in a big, overwhelming way, but it's just noise. But as you start to sit, as you start to contemplate, as you start to properly listen, you can hear that each musician has their own melody. Each musician has their own harmony. They have their own part that they're bringing in, having a bass line. They're having something that they contribute. And each is individually contributing to something beautiful, a much larger and bigger piece. And so I see renewal. It's a symphony unfolding before us. And not just before us to watch, but it's happening within us day to day. And it's happening amongst us as we live in community. The wonder of this is that there's no hierarchy in a symphony or in an orchestra, but all things are working together. All parts have their role and all parts are leading to something continually and ever more beautiful. And so each of us in this world I see as musicians with both the freedom and the authority to participate in renewal. We can engage in these practices of love, of joy, of generosity, which restore, which redeem, which bring meaning, and which can bring healing to those who need to experience that. They call us to participate because if we believe in the renewal of all things, it also means that we should participate in the renewal of the small things. It means that we lead lives that every day get to influence how people experience the world, whether through violence, 
pain or through healing, joy, and life. And this is something that we believe in at New City. It's something that we get to see with being affirming, with being a church that believes in justice, that believes in the inherent worth of every person, and that believes that lives should be led with love. And so I want to close on that. We live in a world which is profoundly shaped, moulded, and undergirded by renewal. It's happening in our midst. It's happening around us. And when, when people love us, when people show us beauty, inclusion, however that may come to us, it is an act of renewal. And so I'm going to pray to finish and then fairly soon we'll head to the pub. All right. Thank you, Lord, for the creation and renewal that is moving through everything. I thank you that this renewal ties things together, that it flows through, that it empowers us, that it equips us, and it strengthens us, and it creates something so much bigger than we could ever imagine. We can see ourselves as stewards of this garden that is growing as we love, as we tend to that garden with love and generosity and kindness and mercy. So lead us, Lord, as we do that. Lead us in lives of love. And so, friends, may you become more and more aware each day of the renewal as it blossoms amongst you, as it blossoms within you. May your dry ground your dry bones, your soul, if it's dry, experience this restoration, this renewal, this redeeming to flourishing, to life, to colour, to meaning. May you encounter love as others enact practices which unveil the symphony amongst us. May you know this love deeply, richly and transformatively. And may peace grace and joy both rest upon you and flow from flow from you with every day that passes and every breath that you take so, all right.